Hello, family, and welcome to Kingwood Methodist. In John 4.23, Jesus states that a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. As we gather at church and open God's Word, we are not just coming together for the sake of gathering, but also to learn the truth of God and how we can grow to love God with our whole heart, mind, soul, and strength. As we continually surrender our lives to the Word of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we become the type of worshipers our Heavenly Father seeks. Let's dive in together. I would invite you to be seated for a moment before the reading of the Scripture. It's a familiar passage to many. After all, if you think of the church context and you think of a character in a two-word phrase, if I begin that phrase, you probably complete it, every one of you. It's the parable of the good Samaritan. Most very good church. Soft, but good. Soft, but good. So there are things about the context of a text and sometimes seeing the geography helps you understand but there's something really important that we miss if we don't first look at the context of this text. So in the time of Jesus, you had literally within the Jewish community, you had two basic kingdoms. You had Israel to the north, you had Judah to the south. And in Judah, you had, um, this was after the death of Solomon when his two sons, Rehoboam and Jeroboam, uh, couldn't agree, they divided the kingdom uh, the northern kingdom is taken captive by the Assyrians in the, in the 700s. Uh, the southern kingdom falls to the Babylonians in the 500s. And in the 700s, when the Babylonians conquered the northern kingdom, which is the area that's now Samaria, that's where it got its name because some of the Jews that were not taken captive in exile into Assyria stayed and they married and they intermarried. And so... For the Jewish faith, you're supposed to marry within the Jewish faith, and they didn't. And so the name that was given to them is Shahum, which is Samaritans. And there was an enmity between the Jews and the Samaritans. You can see this as early as Nehemiah, I think it's chapter 6, when there's opposition that is Ezra is leading the Jewish, uh, the southern kingdom, um, exiles from Babylonia back to Ezra's leading them back to rebuild the wall and Nehemiah leads the rebuilding of the wall. There's opposition from the Samaritans because they, they had set up a temple in Mount Gerizim. If you want to know more Mount Gerizim, show up on Monday nights for the virtual tour of the Holy Land and I will actually show you what the significance is of Mount Gerizim. There was such animosity that at the time of Jesus, if someone was going from Jerusalem to the Galilean region, where there was a strong presence of the Jewish faith, they wouldn't go through Samaria. So when you read in John in one passage, it says that Jesus was going straight through. So that would have been, you know, here's Jesus ruffling feathers again, right? But they would come all the way down to Jericho. That was a very common thing. It was the main path. Jerusalem is at a, at a much higher elevation than Jericho. When you get to Jericho, you're almost at sea level, but it's the lowest city. And then they would go and follow the Jordan River uh, right next to the green area known as Perea. They would go all the way up to the Decapolis. 
So you hear oftentimes references to the gospel being preached around the Decapolis, which is ten cities, not all listed there. Then they would cross back over in the Galilee region because they weren't about to set foot in Samaritan land. They just would not do it. Another important factor to think about. You sang it earlier, but the Samaritans traced their lineage back to Levitical priesthood and the Levites. And so when we get to this text, the reason I want to set all the stage is there are some very specific things that happen in this text before we read it. The first is the conversation comes from an expert in the law. That would have been on the, the Jewish side, not the Samaritan side. A Samaritan is Jewish, but the Jews do not recognize some Samaritans as being fully Jewish. So I make that kind of clarification. Um, an expert in the law would have been definitely an expert within the Jewish law. There are, there are 25 other differences I could name between Samaritans and Jews, but I'm, I think that might be a little too much for the time. Suffice it to say, it was a little bit like what happens when the crimson red and the burnt orange gather in a town called Dallas in the land called the Cotton Bowl, right? There's a little bit of enmity between the two in competition, okay? So the expert of law is obviously uh, going to be Jewish. And we know this also because when you read the reference within this text, Jesus does what he always does. When asked with the question and they want a simple answer, he flips the scales and flips it back and says, what do you read? And the reference that the expert in the law is going to give to Jesus in a moment is in two different places within the Jewish Torah. The Samaritans did not have and recognize the prophets and all of the other literature beyond the first five books. And so uh, this reference, though, comes from two parts. The Shema of the Hebrew faith, which is found in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Here is the Lord your God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. If you've ever seen a, a Jewish doorway, there's a thing called a mezuzah, and it's set at an angle, right? And that the Shema is within that. It's in the doorpost. It was the John 3.16 for the Jewish faith. Whereas for us as Christians, John 3.16 is everything we know. Every Jewish person would know, obviously, the Shema in Deuteronomy chapter 6. But there's an accompanying verse that is quoted by the expert on law that actually comes from something that's found in the Levitical laws. In Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18, and if you ever read Leviticus 19, if you're having a hard time getting to sleep at night, read Leviticus. There are over 600 Levitical laws. In Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18, there's all these do nots, do nots, do nots, and one of those starts, do not hate your fellow Israelite, but love your neighbor as you love yourself. And so the expert of law pulls these two together. We could take a sidebar and actually look at Jesus talking about the whole of the law is suspended on these two commandments. So we know there's reinforced information from the other Gospels and Jesus' teachings. But then Jesus says, well, let me tell you a parable. He's still not answering the question, right? He's, he's telling a parable. He's like the, the preeminent coach of coaching. He's not going to give you the answer. He wants to help you find that answer. And when you listen in a moment and you hear 
A man is going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, number one, that would be the most common route that people would take if they were going to go north or south. You go down the Jericho Road. Everybody, the Buckies was at Jericho, okay? That was your pit stop. It was the Buckies of the Old Testament. So number one, everybody would have known what that meant. A man was going down to Jericho from Jerusalem. Number two, Jesus, in encountering him, the man in the parable, starts, and there's going to be three different things, right? The first is, is going to be what happens to the man himself who's robbed, someone who takes from him. The second dynamic is those who pass by, and the third dynamic is one who responds. And within those whose response, the first person that's going to be mentioned is a priest. Again, going back, that if it's a Jewish listener and an expert of the law, it would have been assumed that this would have been a Jewish priest, a rabbi, or a priest, right? A priest comes by. But there's a curious thing that's mentioned in the second one. You sang it a minute ago, you remember? But then a Levite came by. So this would have been a soft reference um, how to do this. Officially, my title on a business card is Reverend Dr. Bert Palmer. But people all the time say, what do, you, what do we call you? I say, just call me Bert. Just call me Bert. But if I'm in the deep east woods of Texas at a Dairy Queen or a Brahms, and I'm with someone who maybe is not from a Methodist church or maybe from a missionary Baptist church, and they find out I'm a pastor, they'll say, how are you, Brother Bert? Right? Pastors are all called brother. There's a, a sort of a familiar reference. The Levite reference would have been claiming the Samaritan aspect. But the third person who comes by is named specifically just a Samaritan. So just in the text between the priest, the Levite, which would have been representative leadership, but the Samaritan is just the ordinary Joe. And then I want you especially, especially tune your ears to hear now when Jesus says at the end of this passage, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? I want you to listen how the man who is the expert in the law, who is Jewish, responds. It's clear, it's curious, and it's insightful. Now, I invite you to stand out of respect to God's holy word. As we hear the gospel from Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. It's not going to go good no matter what follows, right? Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Oh, well, what's written in law? Jesus replied, how do you read it? The expert in the law responds, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. That's the Shema. And love your neighbor as yourself. Leviticus 19, verse 18. You've answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this, and you will live. Cool. I think I'd stop there, wouldn't you? But he wanted to justify himself so he asked Jesus, and who's my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. 
They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And then he put the man on his own donkey. He brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? And the expert of the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. This is the word of God for you and me, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated, and as you are, let us pray. Eternal God, show us your word and your covenant in your word and your grace in your covenant and your goodness in your grace and your love in your goodness and yourself in your love. All in the face of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And may your spirit stand between me and your people so the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts together will be shaped, formed, and molded into the good news of the gospel of Christ. In whose name we pray, in whose name we've gathered, and in whose name we will depart and seek to serve you faithfully. And all of God's people did say, Amen. In their book, The Art of Neighboring, Jay Pathak and David Runyon cast a vision that challenges the church to think about how it is embracing being neighbors. As I've read through some of this, one of the things that occurs to me is that when we say that we're neighbors with everybody, we often are neighbors with nobody, and that's our human nature, and then we become like the lawyer in Luke chapter 10. We tend to live in those moments of an overgeneralization as we come out of a season which has been extreme isolation. Once it was the mask and you had to work at home to stay safe, now you just isolate. And as we move back into community, it's important for us to recognize who is our neighbor in this context. Obviously, the lessons are clear that as Jesus challenges the suppositions with one who wants to justify himself and test Jesus, And I'm reminded of the words of J.B. Phillips, your arms are too short to box with God. Think about that. Your arms are too short to box with God. That Jesus, yes, will meet that person in the place, but he's going to move that person to a place of challenge and discomfort. Because whenever we move from trying to justify who we are, we have a great tendency in the reading of the Scripture, we'll read ourselves into the places of the good guys. And we have a tendency to read everybody else in the place of the bad guys. And what we end up being is the teacher trying to test and justify himself 
or the one who sits at the back and watches the repentant person at the front. Sound familiar? You find that also in Scripture. It says, thank God I'm not like them. We want to flip the, the model here. What we want to do is we want to say, the reality is every one of us has a need to be in community. Every one of us. And what we want to challenge everyone in the life of the church, including all the pastors, we're all going to be participating with you. What we want to do is, is live out of this challenge that comes not only from the scriptures, but this cast vision um, in the art of neighboring. And this is, this is the summary of it. The journey begins when we choose a lifestyle of conversation and community over a lifestyle of busyness and accumulation. It's about making room for life and choosing to befriend those God has placed around us. There's a huge need today for followers of Jesus to become better neighbors. Oh, friends, we have apps how many of you got the neighborhood app, right? How many of you are on the web page, Flooding Kingwood with Kindness, which the word kindness probably should be taken off there. It should be just Flooding Kingwood. I, I can't some days even find a kind word on there. Some days there are, I get it. But we, we translate all of the personal dynamics in last month's sermon series, which was about the personalization of getting your life back in essence, this was an intentional plan that we had to say, what does it mean for us as a community? Not only as individuals to pause from the busyness, but what does it mean as a community? It means we need to ask, who is our neighbor? It's really a fulfillment of what happens in Acts chapter 1 when Jesus says, you're going to be my witnesses to Jerusalem, to Judea, and to the ends of the earth. It starts right here. But more than that, friends, it starts right wherever you are. Why? Because the church is both the building and the people, so the church is wherever you are. Remember this as a kid? Here is the church and here is the steeple. Open the doors and see all the people. Or the hymn in our hymnal, uh, I am the church, you're the church, we're the church together. Friends, yes, it is a building. It's a place to which people come. It's a place in which we gather. But as I mentioned last week, the doors open to welcome and they will open to send you out. So here is your challenge to begin the journey. To feel some of the discomfort that maybe Jesus is speaking to you and the Holy Spirit's nudge. Each one of you was uh, hopefully given a sheet. If not, they're on the welcome table as you come in that says, Who is my neighbor? On the front half of this sheet is uh, a block that that lists four areas. We're just inviting you to find four people that, that are your neighbors. Now, don't write down the four people you already know immediately and you watch each other's cats and dogs, okay? You know them already. You still stay connected to them, but are there people that you don't know that live near you? And then what you're going to do is talk about what are your family goals for neighboring and what will be the obstacles. That's going to be a specific thing that we're going to look at, what the obstacles are and the goals are of neighboring. And then you begin on the back of the sheet of paper, you begin to list your, your, uh, what you know of those neighbors' needs. Now, here's what you don't do. You don't go down this afternoon on a holiday weekend in the middle of afternoon naps and ball games and knock on the door and say, hey, I've got to find four people for my church bingo square. You want to be my neighbor? 
you don't have to be confrontational, okay? And look, I'm going to tell you right now, for some of you, putting one person in one square is going to be a home run accomplishment. Congratulations. If you can't, if you can't fill all four, can you fill one? And if you can't fill one because it absolutely terrifies you to think about going across the street to your neighbor, can you just think about who you do know and pray for them? So this is not some sort of pharisaical checklist that if you fill this out and bring it back, your name goes in for the drawing for a new iPad. It doesn't work that way. This is just a challenge to get you outside of that comfort zone. No, how can you be praying for your neighbor? And maybe you don't know how to pray for your neighbor. Well, guess what? We thought of that for you. At the bottom, there is a prayer that you can simply pray. So this sheet of paper is, is simply meant to be a tool to be a catalyst and encourager for you to think about who your neighbor is. Your homework this week, your challenge this week, find out who your neighbors are. Take time to sort of fill out maybe one, two, three. You overachievers can uh, take two of these and fill them out. Pray daily for these neighbors on the list. And then just see where God takes us in this journey together. Who is your neighbor? Anyone who is in need. And no matter what the need is, it can be met most fully with the love of Christ. You don't have to fix anything, friends. You just have to share the love of Christ. Christ. 